Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. Good morning, everyone. As she said, I am Sonia Taylor. I am not the pastor. Thank the Lord. Um, I'm his better half. So anyway, he's not in the building. You won't find him. He's on a road trip right now, getting a little re-energized and refreshed, and he will be back next Sunday. But I um, wanted to talk with you for just a few minutes, if I can, on finishing up the series that we've been doing on Anxious for Nothing. Everybody smile really quick. You look like you've come in out of the rain or something. Like, everybody's like... <laughs> if you've ever talked in front of a group of people before, you'll know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's okay to smile. But anyway, we're going to finish this series up. I know some of you probably or may not have been here two weeks ago, or you may not have been here last Sunday to hear what we've been talking about, but I'm just going to do a quick recap. Um, some of the things that we discussed were reaction versus response. What is that clicking? Can you hear that clicking noise, or is it just me? Is it my earring? <gasps> it's my earring. Oh, they're so cute. They match my... Should I take it out? Okay, that's going to get on nerves. <laughs> so much for the... What are these? That, that'll drive me crazy, y'all. And I'm talking about anxiety today. <laughs> um, don't let your problem be bigger than your God. That was another thing. Scott had the boxes over here. One was problems, one with God. Make sure you put them in the right direction. You can have control or you can have faith. Irrational thoughts. We talked about Elijah. Remember, he was sleeping under the little broom tree, and then he was like having a pity party, and oh, I'm all alone. Kill me now. And he was just being goofy, and he was worn down. He was isolated. He was letting fear replace his faith, and he shifted his focus from God to his problems. And then we started hitting on anxiety a little bit more, talking about what it is. And um, Scott mentioned that anxiety is a signal to pray. And it doesn't make you less spiritual or a bad person. It just makes you human. Okay? So I'm going to pick it up from there today, and I'm going to be probably a little more practical. Um, Scott and I have been married in June. will be 30 years. And there are still times that I face anxiety and depression, but we're going to talk about anxiety today, um, that I think he still doesn't understand. Like if I react or respond to a different way, he just doesn't get it. He's learned what to do, but, you know, he, he can't relate because he doesn't battle it. So let's start with the scripture we've been using as a text for the last two weeks. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 7, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, if there's ever been a verse in the Bible that people that legitimately deal with anxiety roll their eyes at, it's this one. You're telling me to be anxious for nothing. That, it's easier said than done kind of thing. So I think it's normal, I know it's normal, for everybody to deal with anxiety at some point or another, okay? You may have, you're in school and you have a big test coming up, it may make you anxious because you've not really studied enough for it. Or 
um, adults, you may have an interview coming up. It can make you anxious. You may have taxes coming due. Might make you make you anxious. Um, but when you talk with people with anxiety disorders, they say it's a little bit more than that. So we're going to look at the definition of anxiety real quick. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something caused by the fear of an unrealized future. It's a worry about what's to come. It's a focus on the worst case scenario, thinking the only possible outcome could be the very worst. You're blinded, it's kind of like you put blinders on and you're blinded to what God could be doing, the other possibilities that could be happening. God has somehow abandoned me, that's the thoughts that go through your head, because you're worrying and you're feeling on Monday what hasn't even happened on Friday. Does that make sense? So I found this cute little tweet. I think it's the next slide for you, Myra. <clears throat> Brain says, hey, what you doing? Me, nothing, just relaxing. Brain, would you like to think about all your failures? Me, what, no? Brain, and away we go. That's how our brains work, for those of you that can relate to me. Thought that was cute. Anxiety has a wide spectrum. It can be momentary or it can be persistent. It can deal with every aspect of your life. And some people have panic attacks, some people don't. I had my first panic attack somewhere in 94, 95, it was before we had kids. And when I had it, it surprised me because I didn't know, like I can't tell you today why I had it, but it's like I didn't understand why I had it because I didn't know I was anxious kind of thing, that bad. It just kind of, I don't know, caught me off guard. You know, I was like, why am I doing this? So then I started having them 10 years later and then um, last year I had one a few days after my dad passed, um, understandably so. And I found out with anxiety, it, they can be genetic, and I'll explain why I say that. I remember I was struggling, oh, I don't know, we were still living in Anderson. It was probably when the boys were teenagers. It had to be, why else would I be struggling? Um, my boys were both teenagers, Ooh, and Ryan was being an idiot. And... I was just having a hard time. Like, I didn't feel like myself. I was shaky. I would just, I would have headaches. I mean, just stuff. You know, you just don't feel like you. And so I called my mom and my dad, and my mom answered the phone. And um, I told her what was going on, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. And she said, let me put your dad on the phone. So, sorry, y'all. Um, dry mouth is one of the... Um, Symptoms of anxiety disorder. Um, I'm going to try to keep it light. Y'all can laugh. Um, so <laughs> she put my dad on the phone, and I told him what was going on. And he said, honey, he said, we're just wired differently. He said, if we've got something big coming up, and we start feeling overwhelmed, and the, the deadline's coming up, the pressure's on us, we get very anxious to the point of he had to take medicine for it. Now, when I was growing up, I knew he took a, a prescription medicine called Zine, but I didn't know what it was for. Now I do, because those of you that heard my message when I preached on why, why are you here, and brought my medicines out here, remember in my little bag, and I stuck them out, and I said, this is my depression medicine, this is my anxiety medicine, and if I get really nervous, I put this little baby on top of it. That was the Transine. So I guess he was taking that as well. So now I get that. Reese is here somewhere. 
um, my youngest son, and I remember the day he came to me in high school, and maybe you guys can relate to this. He was just, he'd sweat a lot. Like, it was bothersome. It got to the point he was concerned. And like sweat rings, and his hands sweated really bad. And so um, I knew a part of it had to be anxiety because I knew how he did with tests and different things. You know, moms, we know our kids pretty much. And so I took him to the doctor, got him some medication. It helped. He's better. And through the years, I've tried to help him to understand how to control it. My oldest son didn't know it. He said, yeah, mom, I deal with anxiety too. I was like, what? And so he said he would worry like, like he was afraid his alarm clock wouldn't go off on time. And if that didn't happen, then he would be late for work. And if that didn't happen, at every point of the day, he was anxious. And I was like, oh, my word. Had no idea. Neither one of them are on medication. I'll say that. But you may know someone or live with someone that deals with this. And if you don't battle it, you're blessed, okay? Just say, I'm blessed. I want to talk to you people for a moment, okay? Those of you that don't battle it, those of you that can calm yourself down, those of you that can compartmentalize, and when things happen, you're not like this, I want to talk to you for a minute, because you may understand it, you may live with someone, like I said, that has it, know it, seen it, I don't know, but let me tell you how we feel when things happen. There's a sense of dread, impending danger, panic, or doom. Y'all can amen me, you other people. A feeling of being on edge. Racing thoughts, remember the irrational thoughts Elijah had? Changes in appetite, difficulty concentrating, irritability, restlessness, dizziness, nausea, stomach cramps, and other, the D word. Tiredness, I didn't want to say diarrhea in church. A noticeably strong, fast, or irregular heartbeat, palpitation. Now, two weeks ago, I've been looking for a job for the past two months. And that's anxiety, okay? I've been at the same place for the last 11 years, and I don't want to have to change jobs. But management's stupid, and my workload's gotten stupid, and so I'm having to. And so I was sitting at my desk about two weeks ago, and two, two three years ago, Scott bought me this Apple Watch, okay? I'm not very good with electronics. That's why I have children, so they can tell me how to work this. So I know there's certain things that it does on here, but I just use what I have to, right? So I'm sitting at my desk one day, and I was shaking. I had a headache. I actually literally had a stomach ache. And my watch starts making noises. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? Because I didn't do anything to it. It says, your heart rate rose above 120 beats per minute while you seem to be inactive for 10 minutes starting at 9.58 a.m. <laughs> and I was like, what? It's keeping tabs on me. So um, regular heartbeat. Trembling or shaking, I do this one. Dry mouth, I did that one. Sweating, mentioned that with Reese. But you know, the night before Jesus was crucified, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he, he had the highest form of anxiety. It literally was almost to the point of death. I think his, his anguish was so great, and his prayers were so fervent that the Bible said that his sweat was like drops of blood. That is pretty intense, y'all. He was praying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. What that represented was he knew the terrible agony that was to come. It wasn't only the crucifixion and the horror of that, if you've ever seen the passion and those, what he literally was thinking ahead of time, he's going to have to go through. That would make me anxious. 
But again, it was the total separation from his father that was getting ready to happen. You tell me you're going to take me away from my parents. I don't like you so much. And that's what he was, was dealing with. But the point of that is he can relate to us. A lot of times you think about Jesus, you know, we tell you he was 100% man, 100% God, and we don't think Jesus literally dealt with some of the things that we go through. But he did. He did. He was anxious. So anxious. And so you're not alone, okay? Difficulty sleeping or staying asleep, uncontrollable overthinking, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, chest pain, and a feeling like you're going to die. That's how we feel. So for those of you that don't battle it, just imagine. Okay, so then there's been situations that I've been in, and I've heard people say some really dumb things to people that are battling anxiety. So I'm going to tell you, those of you that don't battle with it, what not to say in a crisis. Okay? Number one, I know, I'm anxious too. Listen, don't compare your wonderful life to my messy world, okay? You can't even imagine. What you should say is, you seem really anxious, and that must be awful. I'm always here for you. What can I do to help? So you're helping, and then I won't knock you into tomorrow for feeling like you think the same thing that I do, okay? Number two, just calm down. Calm down. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. You're telling me to do something that's hard to do. You don't think I would if I could. It's not like a little switch you can flip on and off, you know? Don't tell me to calm down. Help me to calm down. Say, would you like to go for a walk? Do you want to talk it out? You, t you tell me, what'll help you? You want to go watch a funny movie, videos, what? Number three, just get over it. Just get over it. <laughs> See? People think it's a wimp disorder, that you can't control yourself. If you were just a little bit stronger, if you trusted God just a little bit more, you wouldn't have those issues. Whatever. You can't always control your response to fear. Tough love doesn't work. So, say, oh, let me say this. It gives the reverse effect, because what happens is those of us that have anxiety will say, I don't know why I just can't do that, when they're saying just get over it. What's wrong with me? Why can't I just do that? Four, don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen. Okay, people with anxiety think worst case scenario, right? So if you're sitting there telling them nothing bad's going to happen, they don't believe you, first of all. Anxious people don't believe it, and you can't guarantee it. So if they face their fear and it doesn't go well, then you just set them up for failure. What you should say is, if something bad does happen, it's not going to feel great, but I'm going to be right beside you all the way. That's the kind of thing you should say. Stop thinking about it. Just stop thinking about it. You'll, if you quit thinking about it, it won't have you so nervous and shaky. And blah, 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 blah. Okay. If I say to you, I don't want you to think of a pink elephant, what are you going to do? Think of a pink elephant. It's the same thing with worries. It's how they work. The harder you fight not to do them, the stronger they become. Say you had to get up here in public speaking, right? You look at somebody and say, I know this kind of thing is tough for you. I know it makes you anxious. If you want to practice with me beforehand, let's do that. Anything you can do to help them. 
Those are the kinds of things you say. And the last one is, this is just a phase, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> if it's an actual disorder, you don't just grow out of it. Unless, unless the Lord, not grow out of it, or go away on its own, the Lord can heal you from it. But it could deter, deter people from getting help that they need. And so, um, don't, don't act like, you know, the ability for them not to be able to leave the house or get to work or to make friends or to speak in front of people, um, it's not just a phase. It's reality to that person. So just say, I hate seeing you go through this and I'm concerned about you. If you're considering talking to somebody, I'm here for you or I'll go with you. Those kinds of things. You see the difference? It just kind of, you're lifting them up instead of eh, talking to them and telling them to do things that are not possible. So, those of you that I just spoke to, you get to sit back and ponder on that information. And then everybody else in the room should be in the same boat as me, because you either deal with it or you don't. So, let me talk to you for a minute. If I could remove the word anxiety from the vocabulary, I would do it, because I think it's taken up too much space. I think since the pandemic especially, I have never heard the two words mental health more in my life and I'm old, than I have since the pandemic. I'm not minimizing anxiety. I'm not saying that it sh shouldn't exist. Definitely not saying, you know, you should just have more faith while that's true. Because God is bigger. He's able. He heals. You know, and, and I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist, doctor, therapist. I have no credentials. You can chunk my opinion out the window if you want to. But I think a lot of times when you're in a critical place, people of faith at you and say, mm, you're going to have faith or you're going to get help. And I don't think you should have to choose. I mean, God is a physician. God made physicians. So if your toilet breaks, look at you and say, yes, y'all should pray more. You believe in miracles, don't you? And I say that tongue in cheek, but, you know, we always need to acknowledge that God is a healer. And some people just need a little bit more than others. So a lot of things cause anxiety. I'm going to run through the types of disorders real quick. The first one is generalized anxiety disorder. It's the most common. It's the most widespread. It's the one I have. Two, social anxiety disorder. These are people that have a hard time getting out, getting around other people, talking in groups, talking in front of others, you know, just kind of it makes them uneasy. Panic attacks and panic disorder, specific phobias, agoraphobia, you can't leave your house, PTSD and OCD. You've heard of these things. Those are the most common. One of my worst bouts of anxiety came in January of 2021, which wasn't that long ago, was it? I got my first round of COVID at the end of January, and I was down for about six days straight. I mean, it, I had every symptom, like every symptom. There was one day, I, my body hurt so bad, I didn't think I was gonna be able to walk upstairs. And I'm pretty tough cookie, I'll just push through it. So it had me down, finally I got well, and about two months went by, and this very alarming side effect started happening, happening to me. My hair started falling out, and you can put that picture up. My hair started falling out, and I couldn't stop it. I didn't know what was happening to me. It was very alarming. Um, and in three months' time, I lost three to four years' worth of hair growth. You see how thin it is on the right? And I even lost more, actually, on this side than this side. But, like, like it just kept coming out. And what I understand, I know you're a hairdresser, what I understand is your hair follicles go through different stages, 
And this, this condition's called telogen effluvium. It's a prolonged hair shedding that occurs in response to a sudden stressor. So when the virus hit, instead of my hair follicles being in their different stages and the hair falling out as they should, everything went into a resting stage and then it all fell out at the same time. That's what happened. So you can only imagine the anxiety. You know, we women, we like our hair. I've always thought that was one of my best assets. I like my hair. And I just went to the other end of anxious. I maybe even dove into depression too. Because it was embarrassing for one. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, you had something, it's gone. It's not like losing it over the years. I lost it in three months. You know, it was very startling. So not only did you have the physical stress the illness put on your body, but you had the mental anxiety, is where I'm going with that, from being diagnosed with the virus and the side effects. So moving on, I read an article this week called 22 Ways to Calm Yourself Down. Now, if you just think about the title of that alone, it might make you anxious, because there's 22 ways, you know? You might just say, oh man, I wish there was just one and I could do it real quick. I'm not gonna hit on all of them. I want you to read through them while I'm talking. I'm just gonna hit on a few of them. The first one is breathe. We talked about breathe in a song a while ago. The second one is admit that you're anxious. Now this one I just wanna touch on. Anxiety means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, okay? Nowadays we could call everything anxiety, but a lot of anxiety comes from pride. People don't, people don't think of it like that. Like, if you write the word anxiety out, what letter's in the middle of it? An I. If you write the word pride out, what letter's in the middle of it? An I. Maybe it's coincidental. But when you lose control of things, the root of control is pride. And sometimes the root underneath some anxiety is pride, because you've got people that won't even admit that they're anxious or get help. Number three is challenge your thoughts. Now, I wanted to hit on this one because I watched a really cool interview this week and also because this comes from Scripture. So you can't control everything that comes into your mind, but you can control, you can examine it, and you can determine how long it stays there, okay? So this, this article was coming from the point of, is it really going to be that bad? Or if it's the worst-case scenario, you know, can I move on from that? So there was a girl named Kylie Oaks Gatewood, and I watched an interview on her this week, and if you've ever heard of the preacher Billy Branham, Billy Branham, Branham? Billy B-I-L-L-Y-E, it's a woman, Branham, she's well known in the United States, travels a very good bit. This is her granddaughter that was talking. And she started talking about how she was molested from ages six to eight. And there were some other assaults that took place in her life through the years, and then in her 20s, she started acting out. People were letting her stay with them. They started putting boundaries up. And she said, I found myself, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And she said, I found myself homeless in a Honda. And she said, I was in Texas. I'd just gotten out of the state mental facility on her third suicide attempt. And she was broken, like she didn't want to live. She had gone through so much stuff in her life. She believed in God. She grew up in a Christian home. She knew he loved her. She didn't know that he accepted her. And I thought this was interesting. She said she didn't know that the same God that sent his son for her salvation was also the same God that cares about her mental health. I thought that was interesting. So later she learned that God wants us whole in spirit and soul and body. She knew him. She could quote his word. 
um, but she didn't have that everyday relationship with him. And she, she said a doctor came in the room one day, and he looked at her, and he said, Kylie, Kylie Oaks, Kylie Oaks, that sounds familiar. Oh, you're such and such, and mentioned her grandmother's name. And she said, at that moment, I didn't want to be known for anybody but me. And she said, he looked at her, and he said, Kylie, you don't belong here. You don't, you don't belong here. And she said it struck a chord with her. She said, here I am sitting in a room in a wooden chair on suicide watch, and all I have is a blanket. And she said, I said, God, if you will help me to get out of this. And she said, I didn't just mean the environment. She said, I meant the torment that I was in. And receive my healing. She said, I'll help other people do the same thing. So she started studying Ephesians 6.16. Talks about fiery darts of the enemy, which is thoughts and suggestions. We're talking about your thoughts, right? Thoughts and suggestions and ideas. And then in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we're told to take every thought captive, okay? So she knew she could capture her thoughts by the words of her mouth. And she said she would put her hand over her forehead and she would say, that's not my thought. I don't think that thought. I think thoughts of life and not of death, and I have the mind of Christ. And she said it was really just an experiment. She said the more I did it, though, and the more I battled you know, combated it, those feelings of dying and not being good enough, broken, used up. No one would love her. She put her hand on her head, and she'd say, that's not my thought. I don't think that thought. I think thoughts of life and not of death, and I have the mind of Christ. And it wasn't just positive self-help, right? She was, like, speaking over her life, and she realized the same God that died for her salvation also died for her mind and her will and her emotions. She's like, you're not going to think like that. So later on... After she had gotten well, gotten her master's in counseling, she said, I knew that we have creative power in our words, but what she found out is when you put your hand on your forehead, do you know that God put pressure points in your forehead that help reset your emotion sensors? So while she's doing this and capturing her thoughts with her mouth, the words of her mouth, she said the two working together in the path he gave her, that simple thing, consistently help her come to a place of clarity where she could grow a little more and another place of clarity where she could grow a little more. Is that not a cool story? Who knew? I mean, who knew? All right. The rest of them are up there. Release the anxiety. Visualize your calm. Whatever. Think it through. Change your focus. Don't meditate on the mess. Meditate on the master. The more you look at God, the more your problem's going to be brought down to its proper size. Um, have a centering object. They recommend a rock. I'll recommend a better one in a minute. Drop your shoulders, whatever. Get some fresh air. Listen to music. Heavy metal's probably not going to help you. Listen to something good. Mine's good. spend time with a pet. I like that one. I have two, and they don't talk back. So I get to say whatever I want, and I cry, and all that good stuff. So, we're going to focus on a couple, and we're going to look at 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, which says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So, the very best thing that you can do with your anxiety, are y'all still with me? Okay. The best thing you can do with your anxiety is not to numb it, it's not to ignore it, it's not to give in to it, it's definitely not to feed it or try to control it, the best thing you can do is to humbly cast all your cares on the one who cares for you. 
you look at the word humble, when you say humble, to say humble is to say I can't, but you can, right? And to humble is to recognize that God has a mighty hand. Most of our anxiety is about either having amnesia, we forget all the stuff we should know, not trusting in, or never experience the fact that of God's mighty hand. You've never, you've never been through a situation before where you've experienced that in your life. When you're anxious about things, you say, well, what can he handle? Well, you're sitting there saying, I can't do it. I can't control it. I can't stop it. I'm not in charge of it, but I do have an option. I can humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And that's what you tell yourself. And I would imagine there's somebody in this room, just maybe, 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 um, that that might be a word today for you in this journey we've been talking about with anxiety, is that you need to humble yourself. You need to get down low. On your knees would be good. And I ref- say to yourself, I refuse to onboard the responsibility to work out every outcome in the world, because that's how we think. It's not yours. It's not yours. Second word is cast. Number four of the list up there said to release the anxiety. That was number four. You say, how do I do that? Well, you've probably experienced what I've experienced. It's like you lay it down, but you pick it back up again, right? Yeah, shaking their heads. Lay it down, but you pick it up again. You release it, but you took it back. There's a lot of back and forth, but the invitation that God is giving you today is to just chunk it on him, you know, cast it on him. Now, I don't know a lot of things you cast. I mean, like net, you know, because I know the Bible. So you cast a net if you've ever seen that done. You've got to have some manpower to do that, right? It takes intensity. So casting looks like an absolute transfer with all the intensity we have. So if I'm going to throw this off of me and I'm going to throw it on you, it's coming off. And I'm going to throw it on you, you're Jesus. I'm going to throw it on you because you invited me to. Right? He said it, not me. I'm going to offload the responsibility of being the miracle worker. And what will happen? He said he will lift you up in the right time. In other words, he's going to bring you up out of the heap on the floor that you're in. And at the end of the day, you're still going to be standing on a rock. Cast your anxiety on him. Anxiety comes from the Greek word marimna. Its root is marizo. You say, so what? Well, marizo means to divide. It's a part. It's separated from the whole, figuratively. Anxiety is to worry. It's dividing and fracturing a person's being into parts. That's what the Greek word means. So when God wrote this to you, He knew what was going on inside of you. You were being pulled apart. You are being pulled apart. You're fractured on the inside. Where do you think we get the saying, I was worried to pieces from? Right here, right here. To divide our mind, to divide our peace, our soul, our heart, our well-being, just to pull it apart. How do you get it back together when you realize that you can cast this on the Almighty? Because why? Because He cares for you. He doesn't just care about the thing that you're anxious about. He cares about you, like all of you. And I want you to picture today, God, like Almighty God, just kind of wrapping His arms around you, right? And saying, I got this. I got this. I got everything that's pulling you, pulling you apart. 
I got that too. And I want your answer to anxiety to be, you know, Yahweh cares for me. Yahweh, He is. He cares for me. Yeah, breathe, chew gum, you know, get a squeeze ball. There's nothing wrong with that. Get some fresh air. Dance it out if you need to. But there's nothing that will trump that Yahweh cares for you. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to get down low. God, I can't. I'm sorry that I acted like a control freak. I'm sorry. I know that was not honoring you to do that. So I humble myself under your mighty hand. You know why? Because your hand is strong. Your hand is able. Your hand is healing. Your hand is loving. It's global in reach. It's pierced. It's powerful. Your hand can hold back a thousand. Your hand can pluck someone out of the pit and put them on a rock. I'll let you decide when and how, but I believe I'm going to stand because you're going to lift me up. And I'm going to cast, you know, here it comes. I'm casting. I'm just going to keep on casting. I'm in a season of casting right now, but you told me I should. You told me I could. My breath is shortening. My chest is tightening, all that. But I'm going to cast it on you. And I'm going to remember right now that you care for me. Anybody forgotten that Yahweh cares for you? Anybody? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah. Got some honest hearts in here. The rest of you are lying. But it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget how much he cares for us. I got to do it by myself. I got to figure out by myself. And somehow he gives us this massive spiritual amnesia to forget that we've got a God that can take care of it. And I'm just going to agree that he does today. Circumstances may look like it. Situation may not be applauding it. But the man's got scars he's got in his hand and in his feet and his side. And I'm going to let that be my God. Because he did that for me. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Max Lucado made a great statement. I think this is the last slide, Myra. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. Maybe you feel like you're in a prison. I don't know. Maybe you're on a mountaintop right now and the struggle's not so bad. But then maybe you're in the valley and you cannot see a way out. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. You know, when a child is afraid of the dark, they need reassurance, don't they? Usually what happens is a parent goes in the room and they turn the light on to show them there's no monsters under the bed, there's no boogeyman in the closet, there's no threat to them, right? Well, in the same way, when we're frightened or when we're scared, we need our Heavenly Father to look at us and say in times of anxiety, it's going to be okay. And I just came along today to tell you as one of his vessels that God's got this. He's got it. It's going to be okay. I know it's difficult to think that way sometimes, but you got to learn what to focus on and what not to. Because he's, I'm, I'm here turning the light on for you, in other words. You know, I couldn't ask for two better parents, and I'm finishing up. God gave me only the best. I have loved both of them dearly, but my dad, I got this. My dad and I had this connection. 
And um, I know we have some new people. I lost my dad last year. Um, but I could pick up the phone and I could tell him any situation I was going through. And he was my biggest cheerleader. He just was. And he'd say, honey, you can do anything you put your mind to. He said, they'd be crazy not to hire you. You know, he just always that pushing me on. And, you know, it's going to be okay. Your mom and I have been praying. And we're going to believe that God's going to see you through. When you, my biggest fan isn't here right now. And sometimes you just got to find that person. You know, I'm thankful for my mom and she steps in. I'm thankful for Scott and my friends and those that encourage me. It's not quite the same, but you got to have a person that you can go to and look at and they'll say, it's going to be okay. And you believe them. You believe them. I'm going to ask the, um, the prayer team to come down. And I want you to spread across the front. I just feel like this is the way the Lord's leading me in the, in the altar. I'm going to ask those of you that deal with anxiety to be vulnerable right now. Um, I'm going to ask you to come down front. Actually, I'm going to come down there and meet you. Let's do that. I, I may mess up the camera. I don't know, y'all. I don't care. I just do what God tells me to do. <laughs> I'm going to come down here. And if you deal with anxiety like I do, it's okay. You don't have to be shameful about it. When I, when I did the other message the other time, I had people messaging me after church. And somebody said, you were so bold to show your medicines and to talk about all of that. And she's like, I had no idea that, you know, you, you don't have to be shameful. Jesus bore your shame. You know, you don't have to worry about it. It's not yours to worry about. But I just want those of you that don't battle it, if you don't want to come, that's up to you. That's between you and God. But those of you that do, um, here, come, come here, Rhea, come here, Robbie, Megan, I want you just to you face me, face me so it doesn't be awkward. I just want you to, to look at one another. And there's probably more in here, and that's fine. That's fine. But you're not alone. You're not alone. And that's what you need to remember. Not only am I here for you because I battle it, but you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. Okay? You guys, you can just start ministering to them. I know that they need it. You guys can go ahead and start singing, and I'm going to pray. If you guys will bow your heads with me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for this message because I think it's timely. I think it's needed. I know that there are people that are hurting today. We go through it. And I say we because I'm in it. And I just pray that you'll touch those that are battling anxiety today. I thank you for those that were bold enough to come down here because it takes that. It takes it. Don't let our pride get in the way. Help us to understand it's okay to admit it. And I pray today that as they inhale the breath of God and they inhale the peace of God, that they'll exhale all of the worries that they have along the way and they'll trust you for what they need in their life. God, because you have every last detail taken care of. Thank you, Lord, that you care about what we care about. Help us, God. Heal us, God. And we'll never fail to give you the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
You guys could stretch your hands if you'd like towards these that are praying. If more of you want to come, you are more than welcome to come down here. I'm here. You can talk to me. We're going to let them sing and um, let some people get some healing. Let me thank you for coming today. I thank you for listening to me. And hopefully um, this message got to someone today. And again, if you didn't come forward and you battle anxiety, that's okay. It's okay. But still, I encourage you, find that person you can talk to. Find somebody that's your cheerleader that can help you through things and say, I got this. I got this. Pastor Scott will be back next week. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you then. You're dismissed.